0: Welcome to the One Man Ride podcast. I am your host, Michael Ward. This week we'll be joined by Coach Chris Garland to talk about uh, Under Armour and the tryout season and what he thinks that the COVID impact could have on high school and college lacrosse in the future. So let's not waste any time. So without further ado, let's
1: welcome Chris Garland. We'll be joined today by friend of the show, Chris Garland. Coach, welcome to the show. Hey Mike, great to talk to you again. It was great to see you at Under Armour this past weekend, uh, and a lot, yes. about, a lot to talk yeah. about. Lots to talk about. Yeah,
0: yeah, that was a great that was a great time. I really had a blast. Uh, I figured you guys had a blast, um, and this is what we're talking about: the Under Armour West Super Regional, which was held at Grand Park this past weekend. Uh, Coach Garland was one of the coaches, along with Kevin Benages and Rob Snyder, and I and and the Midwest Highlight Team that uh, Coach Garland was a part of won the super regional so they continue on to baltimore for the final four is that how it
1: works coach yes uh i'm checking with them on a date but i had a great experience with coach Snyder. i'd never met him before uh he's a wonderful person really enjoyed working with him looking forward to spending time with him again he's a great man of great integrity and someone i'm looking forward to working with in the future just an awesome person
0: yes i've known i've known
1: uh coach schneider for about 10 years we go back quite a way so
0: i'm sure he shared some things about me and him uh, <laughs> as as uh, as we've gone on but it was great actually being seeing the three of you together because just as a, as an outside perspective uh, you are the coach of juice cherries and detroit country day rob is the coach of Loyola academy and he's now the new director for the Chicago Express, Kevin Benajes is the head coach of Naperville North, and he's the director for Team Illinois. Three different programs in the Midwest, three different high schools, and you guys, it was like you were working together forever. I mean, it was seamless. You guys fed off each other, and, and, and I posted a video, and one of the videos I posted, I left the volume up loud just so you could hear you guys coaching, and it was,
1: and it was something. Uh, so tell us how that worked together. I, I really enjoyed it, I, and you know, I tell people all the time, the, the primary reason why I'm involved with Under Armour is I get to spend time with Kevin, he's a great friend of mine, I just really enjoy working with him, we're on the same page about just about everything, if not everything, uh, he and I are really close, uh, he's become just a great friend of mine over the years, and working with Rob was just a tremendous honor, he's one of the best coaches in the region, one of the best high school lacrosse coaches in the country, uh, he doesn't need me to compliment him, and I, he's just a humble, uh, down-to-earth guy, and he knows so much, and when Rob speaks uh i listen he has a lot to teach me and i have a lot to learn from him and i just over the course of a weekend uh fed off his i think honesty and integrity and ability to work with young people that's why i have so much success and uh he just knows a lot about lacrosse and a lot about coaching kids and if you're around someone like that well that's kind of success and that ability to connect with people you listen to everything they have to say and soak it in and he's also respectful of the people who coach with him he listens to guys who know what they're doing And that was really easy. Uh, So I learned a lot from those guys this weekend. And again, I hope the three of us get to do it for the the future together. It was just, it's a great group of people to work with. And I really enjoyed my time with those guys. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And it looked like it and it looked like the kids were uh, responding to it. So let's, let's get into that. Um, How did the kids actually respond? Like, did you have any sort of practice beforehand? I know on Friday night you guys met,
1: was there a walkthrough, run through that you got to know the kids' names? We practiced for about an hour and a half. We put in an offense, the defense, rides and clears, extra man, man down, all the things that we could. But I think all of us agreed that this event isn't about us. It's not about the coaches. It's never been about the coaches. It's been about the kids. And I told the kids, and Kevin and Rob reiterated it, that they have to make plays. And they have to be coachable. And if we see something that we should take advantage of, they've got to be the people who execute. And we picked the team, we picked the guys we thought could make plays at the Under Armour evaluations, which were really difficult, uh, but those guys made plays. And at, over the course of a weekend, we got better and better as guys responded to coaching and the things we were doing worked. And Rob made some, some changes on offense. We started to be more efficient, but ultimately it was the guys who started to play really well together and feed off each other. And we just, we, we had a really great weekend. So it's a combination, probably it's a combination of guys who know what they're doing and kids are really talented. But the kids deserve, I mean, all the credit. Because, I mean, Mike, the Southwest team had nine or ten committed kids. I mean, on paper, they were way more talented than we were, way more talented. So, I mean, we, this is a one time the Midwest team had an advantage, right, where we, we got to get out of our beds, drive down, and not have to fly, except for a few kids. And it was sort of a home game for us. Uh, uh, and we played really well. So I want to give the kids just all the credit for what they did, how they responded. And we were missing a kid because he, he couldn't make it up for the event, but he's going to be at the main event. And I think the team will be even better. But I, I want to tip my hat to all those boys who played so hard and their wonderful parents who were so supportive and the excitement all those people felt and how they represented Midwest lacrosse from all these different programs for the region. It was really neat to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I, I loved it. So I was on the sideline for all the games. And, and I'll tell you, and the first game you played was what, a 9 a.m. game. Uh, or 10 a.m. 9 a.m. game against the West, so they had the three hour, uh, the three hour behind. And and I said these guys might be a little tired. Watch out for them because that's another talented team. And uh, but but a great thing that happened there, as you say, home home court advantage, home field advantage. There were people there watching these games who didn't have kids playing. There were actual fans that I knew that came out and watch. My wife came out to watch the games. My son came out to watch games. There were other kids, friends of the kids out there watching the games. The sideline was, was great. Everyone was talking, even with the other parents. Like I've never been to a a lacrosse tournament that was like that. Like you never heard it. You didn't hear a peep from the sideline, like a parent yelling or anything. They were all talking and all cordial. It was, it was really something special besides just the game, just, just the atmosphere there. Uh, and, and it was great. I mean, did you? Can you notice any of that? That's the funny thing. Can you notice across the field, hearing parents yelling during a game as opposed to not? Because, you know, you I see it, but uh, I wonder if
1: you guys hear it. I didn't. I, I don't typically hear it unless people are really loud or it's coming from one person who may be standing by themselves, uh, by them, by him, him or herself. Uh, usually, it's <laughs> himself in the <laughs> in a corner. Uh, but this was really great. Even I felt that after the well. I felt just a positive atmosphere after the game when the parents were taking pictures. And we won. But I think, Mike, if you look at that roster, there are kids from Michigan, uh, Indiana, Ohio. I'm not, we don't have an Ohio. Uh, do we have an Ohio? Yes, kid? we no, do. I mean, yes, we yes, any- yes. We do. Oh, okay. Griffin Liddell. Ohio kid- yeah, Gr- uh, that's right, Griff. Yeah. Ohio kids, uh, Minnesota kids. So the team represented most of the Midwest. Yeah. So that made me feel really good. And we had a Colorado kid who did a nice job. Uh, so honestly it was just really nice that we had all these people from all over the midwest and their parents who came together to support the kids and the and the atmosphere was really really great and so that that was that's what made the event really special for me those people coming together after the game and they were all really happy we won I don't even if we lost I think people would have said you know the guys played really hard and they represented their high schools and their club programs and their states uh really well so that that was a, a really nice Mike
0: yeah I agree and so um what do you who do you think stood out if you had to say, i mean i know there was mvps and uh you can mention who those are or i can but who do you think like stood out when you said wow this he helped make a difference i mean the defense was super strong the goalie play was strong the attack play was strong uh you lost a player during the game yes. I, I don't know a big time player um and I don't know what his situation is, but I'll let you speak on that. I'd like to hear what your thoughts are about certain players and, and, and what, they, what they did for you.
1: I thought Nate Randall and Tommy Coons were outstanding throughout the entire event. Those two have had a tremendous summer. They're both uncommitted, but I don't think they'll be uncommitted for much longer. Both are getting a lot of traction off the event. And once the film's put out, I think those two will get buttoned up pretty quickly the defense. I was surprised we didn't have any kids from the defense make the all tournament team because we held teams to an average of three and a half goals per game. Cam Hitchcock was amazing all weekend. Great communicator. He's so coachable. Great on ball. Great off ball. Uh, he really helped us button up on defense. Ryan was really good. Uh, Griffin Lytle was ex- excellent on defense. He was playing a little long stick for us. He's got a great handle. He's really good off the ground um You know, I thought Lauderback was really nice. He made the all-tournament team. Did a good job tying people up, making it 50-50 ground balls. uh Tyler from Minnesota can't forget him. He was really, really good on day two. I didn't think we were we were doing as well as we should have done on the ground ball play, on the face-offs, and Tyler came in the second day. It was phenomenal. And, and then, of course, the attack. You know, Mateo was unbelievable <laughs> all weekend. He did a very nice job. Really proud of Matteo and how far he's come. He was always very talented, always very skilled. He play- always has played really hard. Uh, Mateo was exceptional all weekend long. And Bo Lockwood, he just keeps uh, impressing me with his ability. Uh, unselfish. Uh, he scored goals. He's, he, I think Mateo had nine. I think Bo had five. And John Morgan, before he got a little banged up, uh, had scored several goals. So that attack group we knew was really skilled. And I don't want to forget anybody in the middle of the field. You know, Griffin Mallory, great speed. Ezra really did a nice job. I I, you know, I thought on day two, when it mattered the most, Patrick Riley really stepped up. I, I was so impressed with how hard he played, how coachable he is, and his tenacity. Just a very impressive young man. He's a tough kid. But I mean, he is a Midwest lacrosse player. Is he the smoothest guy in the world? No, he's not. But he'll do whatever he asks him to do to help the team. And, and you need guys like that. I thought DJ Nolan was great at Longstick Um, You know, really, that's I thought those guys stood out for me uh, all weekend. They just did such a nice job. And Cheeks, Andrew Machica, he had a couple of big goals on day two. So really, it was a total team effort. Those guys stood out to me. But we could have done it without the contributions of all the kids on the team. It was a hot weekend. We needed everybody to play. And everybody did something really, really well. Really well.
0: Yeah, I, it was. It was. I, I agree with all those things. I mean, the funny thing. I'll just highlight. So, so Matteo Corsi um, is committed to Syracuse, correct? Still, uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, I think at one point, I if, I posted the video. I, I posted a YouTube video on on Twitter that you could watch some of the highlights that I got just off my iPhone. Nothing professional, but there were people who knew he was going to take the ball from behind, and they still couldn't stop him. Like, when yeah. you heard parents on the other team going, oh, my God. Like, it was just – it was something else. And then to see Bo and John Arant working together, mm. uh, one parent, like, leaned over. and was like, oh, you can tell that those guys have been playing together for a couple of years. Uh, John Morgan, he's just a beast. And what I love about him is he works so hard. He you yep. know, he could sort of coast if he wanted. Uh, he's committed to Michigan he he doesn't need to be doing, he still busts his butt probably better than everybody. And that, I think that team, the rest of the team feeds off that. So that was, those were the things that really stood out. I, uh, and it was, you talk about the second day, as I've just been watching the second day footage, uh, the team was so much tighter. I mean, not tight, like nervous, but tight, like working together. Um, there was a focus. I think there was no more nerves or everyone sort of settled into what they were going to do. And again, when you talk about Patrick Riley, I thought Patrick Riley set the tone for day two, right out of the gate coming yep. off uh, uh, and just, and then just seeing him work and then blasting them just a cannon. Um, yeah. Another thing that, I mean, I haven't even talked about, I haven't seen if I got the video where I could do it was Griffin Mallory. First of all, the kid's lightning fast. I mean, yep. he takes off like a rocket and then the shot, he shot the ball from about, what, 10 yards, 15 yards out and snapped the goalie's shaft in half and scored a goal. Yeah, I
1: it want went, to see that. On bit. I, it went through on the video. goalie's
0: shaft. I've never seen it in my life. That shot, you could hear when he wound up and it went. And, and, you know, that was one of those, no, 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 oh, my gosh. Because it was sort of a faraway shot. and just went through the goalie stick. That, that was amazing. So, I mean, I, like I said, and like you said, the day's – the day those games i i mean everyone contributed i'm looking on the i'm looking on the roster right now and i don't think there wasn't a person at one point who i said who didn't who didn't do something out there i mean literally not one um so and and, and again john arant was filling in for griffin skane who wasn't there because of uh injury or illness i'm not sure uh but griffin will be coming back for for the uh, championship series, right? In Baltimore? Yes.
1: Yes, you will. And then you don't know the um, prognosis of John Morgan, or is he out? I just called John Morgan today. He's going to get the, re- the results of his test back this week, so he'll know if he's going to be able to make it to the main event. Okay, wow. Well, I mean, I,
0: I, I, and let, how do you feel going? I mean, I feel very confident
1: with this squad. I think with the defense and the goalie play, you're in every single game. I, we felt really good about the defense, but as you know, the competition is going to get a lot stiffer when we go out east to play. I think we play the winner of the Connecticut-New Jersey-Long Island bracket. And right. Last year, we got out to a 5-1 lead against Long Island, and we were flying, and the guys were playing so well. They came back, and they, I believe they beat us by two or three, but we were, in the, we were in that game, and we played really well, and I hope that happens again. I hope we get to play them again. And you're right, Mike, I really believe in this team. I think the coaching staff believes in this team. Our defense was good. Our goals were phenomenal. If we win faceoffs, take care of the ball, get into that really talented attack, and we get those midfielders getting up and down and playing the best that they can and really contributing, I think we have an opportunity to play really well, and those guys can showcase themselves and really show people that Midwest lacrosse has come a long way. That's always been the – and I, we said it to the guys, like, you know, people don't take us seriously – you know, I think the guys don't have a lot of lax IQ. They're just kids that can run up and down, throw it at the cage, play defense. I mean, we did some things that were really awesome. we were really proud of those guys and what they did. And we really want to take that out there in the Baltimore event and play against the winner of that racket and, and show them what we could do. That, that's just a great opportunity for these kids, their high school programs, their club, their club programs, their states, and all the things that they learned from their youth, youth people. Like, it's just a, we're really looking forward to it. We, we think we have a shot to do really well, or at least we hope we do.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, and it, again, with the video, if if you watch the video, the very first snippet or whatever you call it was just the def- was just focusing on the defense, and the very last snippet was fo- focusing on the di- defense. Just how they worked so well with the middies with the with the LSM. That looked like a defense that had been playing together for for years, and and it was just this weekend. I mean, the communication. The communication from the coaching staff on the sideline, I think there was one time it was you yelling, and, and you would yell, and they were doing it. There was no like, hesitation. It was trust, and, and I thought that will really, really help you going forward with this team. Now, if you had to pick one thing that needs to improve, and I could figure out what it is, but what, you, what would you need these kids to, to focus on uh, for Baltimore?
1: I would say there were times when we were impatient on offense and we took the first shot rather than the best shot. So that would be the one thing I would say. When we get to Baltimore and we play against the winner of the bracket, we've got to take care of the ball even more so than we did this past weekend because our mistakes are, will only be magnified against more talented teams and kids who are very good. So that's the one thing. If I were to say one more thing, it's just kind of like not giving up goals in the middle of the field in unsettled situations. That that hurt us a little bit over the course of a weekend, but we got better at it. So if we do that, I think we'll be in any game we play. I think these kids can play with anybody. I'm I'm totally confident of that. Yeah, I, like I said, I agree.
0: Do you think this is a situation where it's almost like you have to check your ego at the door for this kind of team to win? Because uh, these are all you know alpha players. These are all you know probably every one of them is is. At top one, two, or three on their respected high school team or um, club team, and they might have to take a different role on this team, and that might not work for some people or 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 parents, for that matter. You know, there's a lot of parents who are like, "You got to go and score, score, score." Uh, we, you know, this is for college recruiting. And I told a parent who was sitting with me, um, who was getting upset a little bit about. some of the play and and whatever. And and he's like, Oh, he's got to get this video for a highlight. I said, taking a bad shot. Isn't a good thing for the video. Right. I said, playing, playing the way you're supposed to play, getting back on D uh, just being in the right spot. That's what coaches are looking for. You know, they're looking, they're looking for a reason. And I think we talked about this this weekend, and you know, this as well, but i like to reiterate this to parents. Coaches when they're looking at video for the most part are looking for the kids to get rid of. They're looking for the kid who doesn't run to the sideline when they're coming off, who the palms up, the, the attitude. There's so much talent, they've just got to start weeding out the kids automatically. So I keep telling people, don't stop playing. Uh, don't get discouraged. Play the game in the game. Don't try to be because it doesn't look great. Um, and, and, and I think for them to succeed, there are going to have to be some people who go to a role
1: position more. That they're used to agreed i mean we we discovered that and we identified guys who were going to help us in that last game and put them in a particular role and they filled it and did a really nice job and you're absolutely right i mean you you you've got to fill the role that you're assigned and do it to the best of your ability you know i've always said that yeah it
0: was yes and, and i think uh I I hope the kids the, the players listen to that and the parents listen to it. It's not always about scoring a goal. It's about playing the the, the game in the in the position the right way.
1: You're right. Um yeah, so
0: as of now there is not a specific date, is there? Or there...
1: there there is no date. I called under Armour today to see if they could confirm, but I've heard nothing back. So I, I hope it happens. Uh I'm I'm confident it will happen. They did a great job with this event. They had a phenomenal plan going into it. The pod system really worked here. And I hope we can go on to Baltimore and play, Mike.
0: Do you think there would ever be a chance that they'd say, let's bring it back to Grand Park and finish it there? Do you think Do you think East Coast teams would, would make the trip to Indiana if that was the case?
1: That is a great question. And if Grand Park's available, this is where they should have it. Uh, it's a great facility. You could have all the people here. Indiana is open uh, if they can't have it in Baltimore. So we'll see. Uh, I would hope they would consider having it. It would be a shame to go to have this success and then not to be able to finish it um, but I was told they 're going to get back to me soon about the event in Baltimore but Grand Park just seems like the ideal venue to host it seems like yeah. the ideal venue
0: it 's just it 's just so easy i mean especially for me since I live down the street but to just the way that you there was there was games going on the whole time, and it was like each one was their their own thing it didn 't overlap it wasn 't crowded i mean it wasn't jammed, uh, easy parking. Uh, everything about it works so well that I, I keep saying every major tournament should start coming here. It's easy to get to from the West Coast, South, Midwest, and East Coast, hopping on a plane or even driving. Uh so that's my you know, my Midwest plug. Uh just to try to get just to try to get things here. Um so that's you know, I think until we know the uh, when the dates are for the for, for the final four. It's just sort of wait and see at this point. Uh, There's other things going on. I know Juice Cherries just had their tryouts, or there's more tryouts. Or you want to talk about the new, the Great Lakes? What that's all about? Sure, sure. more about that.
1: I'd absolutely love to talk to you about that. We just had our eval, so we made all of our teams, and this was the rationale behind creating the Great Lakes program. We we know there are a lot of very good lacrosse players in Michigan who were playing for other regional teams that did a very good job with their kids. The club programs in our state do a very good job. We thought we wanted to gather these kids who couldn't quite make our top team to play with us, play against those kids, and not play for a B team. It's a double-A team that's going to attend some events in the region and some events out east to challenge them. Now, we weren't sure what those events would be, but based on the turnout and the talent level We could take those teams to really competitive events. our, Our program, the GLLC, is a little bit cheaper than the Cherries program and cheaper than the other regional programs. There's a box program affiliated with the GLLC. They're going to be able to participate in the college prep showcase in the wintertime. So they get all the benefits of playing with the Cherries organization. They're just playing for a team that they can develop on, where their skills are going to get better. They're still getting great coaching. They're playing against the other best kids in the state who are on the Cherries red team, and they go to really competitive events and they get the assistance with recruiting that a lot of kids weren't getting with the other regional teams. Again, those teams do a very good job with their kids. Parents choose to play for them because of some, what they focus on, whether it's going to smaller events, being more affordable, you know, no hotel stays, you know, the practices are closer, and we respect those teams, the people who run those organizations. we just were looking to peel off some kids who maybe wanted a bit more of a challenge or needed some assistance with recruiting that they weren't getting and that's what we were here for. And some kids came over because, hey, I want, they said to me, hey, I want to play in college. And the other program I was with was great. It was great for me for several years. But I want to go somewhere with this game. I want to see where I can go. That's why I came out to try out and see if I can develop and see if I can get the help I need. And we always promised them that. So that's what the GLLC is about. And we're really excited to get it off the ground. And we're starting a, a, a women's program. So that's, that's going to be off the ground soon, Mike. G- wow. That's called Minnesota Lakers. Uh, pardon me, the Michigan Lakers. So that is going to be going off soon, and we, we think that has a ton of potential to turn into what the Cherries has done for uh, a, a young men. We think the Michigan Lakers will do what we've done for young men, for young women. We think it could be a phenomenal program in a few years. Emma Cool, uh, she used to play at Hopkins as a head women 's coach at Country Day. She's going to be the director of the program, but we're very excited about the future of this program. Very excited.
0: So if there are people out there who
1: are looking for a high-level women's program and who want to be challenged and who want great coaching, who want assistance with recruiting, uh, that's that's sort of the next thing for me, helping young women uh, find the right fit for them. Uh, With Emma, Emma, under Emma's guidance, like she's the one who's going to run the show there. We are very excited about that. So I hope people hear about it in Indiana and Michigan and give it a look.
0: Yeah, so uh, knowing the cherries, how cherries works, is uh you do like weekend weekend practices and and people can come from other places? Um, is that how the the, the girls' team will work too? Like you'll do it like uh, like a team that'll draw from all the states, or will you? You know, is it going to be the same format as Choose Cherries, or is it going to be the GLLC format? Because I'm we assuming think, that's more of a weekend practices, right? Like we
1: think we think it'll be the same format as the Cherries, where we have training camps where the kids come in for several hours. And then they can go home. So we practice on the weekends primarily and then skills and drills during the week for those girls who are local. So we've got to figure that out, but Emma is going to be running that. And I'd love for you to talk to her at some point about her vision for the program, but we think it's going to be, we think it can be really great. Mike. I,
0: I think that's a, I think it's a no brainer. I
1: think, I think I'm seeing more of that happening. Uh,
0: not, maybe not being under one roof. I'm seeing that there are current women's programs, um, that will start working with the other local program. There seems to be like a, a, a cause right now or, a, or a, uh, a strength in numbers type of thing, uh, which I'm very pleased about. I've, I've made no secret about it. Uh, I like when teams work together because um, I, I think that makes, I think for the parents' dollars, again, I always stand on the parents' side. For the parents' dollars, there are some tournaments that don't need to be, uh, don't need, you don't need to go to out east. Not every out east tournament is good just because it's out east. When right. you could have 10 of these programs that are in the Midwest, and there are good programs in the Midwest, and if they could all stay here and all play against each other, that's just as good as going anywhere. I don't care what anyone says. You're looking at these kids that played this weekend, these are Midwest kids. And if you can keep some of these kids home and lower the cost for some of these parents, uh, make the game a little more affordable to bring more people in, as I've said. You, the problem you'll have is you'll have too many kids wanting to play and it will just open up more, more teams. Um, and so that's what I think is happening around the Midwest that, that, that I have a, a, a good feeling about. Um, now, not just on the Under Armour, what fall tournaments do – fall was always my favorite tournament time. I love the fall tournaments, A, I love the fall, and B, having a small son – you usually didn't play against the football players, so
1: it was a little smaller. You can get a look at it if you needed to. Mm-hmm. What do you think is going to happen this fall? That's a really great question. So our plans, we're going to NAL, uh, the North American Lacrosse Tournament, in November. I mean, Right now, that's our plan. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next event we're going to attend will likely be an October event run by Madlax. And we're, we're going to get together with other regional programs this fall. Uh, Top Gun Midwest run by Dan Laff. Great guy. Really excited to work with him moving forward. Uh, he's the kind of person that wants to get together and do things the right way. He's a man of integrity. I so really enjoy talking to Dan and getting to know him and his program. I want to give him a ton of support out in, the, out in his area. Uh, obviously, Kevin Benadge is my great friend and other regional programs that have produced really competitive teams and are sending kids to college. The Midwest Express, run by Mark Brutish, obviously, would loved working with Mark. Uh, so we're trying to find other people who want to come to a play day, and pro- likely at Grand Park or likely another place, uh, so we can get together and get our kids games. It will be an at-cost event. And the reason why I like working with those guys, we're all on the same page about running events. It's not for the benefit of me, the tournament director. I, I'm not the tournament director. But it's like we just want to make sure we get in there, we get out, we get a bunch of games, we get film, we get college guys there, and that's that. So we, we would hope people would prefer to do that format than to pay some tournament entity uh, more money and, and line their pockets. We just want to do this for the kids. And that's the reason I like working with Kevin and Team Illinois and Joe Opron. They, they do it for the kids. They're front and center, and that's what they've always been about. And to make that really clear, but after meeting Joe and getting to know him and obviously knowing Kevin and meeting Dan left and getting to know him a lot better, and speaking to other guys who, who really put their best foot forward for the kids in their programs, that's the kind of guy we want to work with where we divide up the costs, we make it cheap for the kids, we, we help the parents out a little bit, and we go from there. And we know there are other programs like that who want to take part in an event and ultimately reduce the cost to their parents. Like, we don't, I don't understand why someone would want to participate in some coalition where they're charging you an exorbitant amount of money to play in a regional event where you could work with us and just pay and at cost and play against really good teams with other good kids that coaches are going to attend. That I'll never be able to explain. Uh, and I don't understand why parents allow that to happen. But you got to hold the people who run your club accountable for their actions and inactions. And if someone's like, well, why are we going to this event? The chairs are doing this. It's an at-cost event. I heard Chris Garland say it. Uh, he seems like he's an okay guy. Why aren't we doing that? <laughs> he, he seems like he's okay. He may not be okay, but he seems like that. So why aren't we doing that? And you're like, we should do that. Oh, we're going to do that. We're not going to pay four grand to go to an event if the cherries and other really good teams in the region are doing an at-cost event. So why are you charging my kid more? Why are we paying this guy more? Why is this guy banking? You know, no, we're not doing that. So that's why I work with Kevin and Dan left. And that's why I think kids should play for those guys. You know, that's why I felt that way.
0: That's that. I mean, that, you know, my whole thing lately has been tryout season, tryout season, tryout season. And, um, you know, you always hear the bad stories, the good stories, whatever. And and I have just said. I almost got to the point where the the amount of messages I was getting from parents, like it was for about a week, it was daily, all day. I was talking to a parent all day. Like I actually felt like I had a job. Like I'm like, hey, I this is not my, you know, I, I have other things I like to do, but I, you know, and I'm always going to reach out and talk to a parent because I, I'm one of them. Uh, but at, at the end of it, I finally said, you know what? This isn't the club's fault. I don't care. Here's what the club is. Here's what they're telling you. What they're going to do, and here's how it works. If you decide to go to that club, well, then that's that's on you. Right. Buyer beware. At this point, there are enough options in the Midwest that you could have any kind of team format you want. You literally there is there is there's twenty five different programs that I can think of. That are all within the, with all of the region that do things differently. So it's almost at this point, it's time for the parents, it's time for the people who pay to demand something or to make their choice with their dollar, to sit there and say, we don't like what's been going on. This is not the, there's a new way of doing
1: things now. We have you, choices. You are spot on. And people should vote with their pocketbooks. And Simple. If, they don't, if they don't like it, they can leave. And if the kid's really good, there are lots of other options for that person. I'll be honest with you. You know, in Baltimore, kind of the cap on price for all these teams is like twenty five hundred bucks. Like you can't, and it's been that cost. I don't think it gets much higher than that. And people put their prices on the website to see. What, you know, I mean, Crabs doesn't. They're a little bit lower, I think, but they can kind of offset the cost of their program because they run a huge event and Crab Feast is big, so they can charge. I think they charge a little bit less, or he's always charged a little bit less because of that, but he's never wanting for kids. FCA is about in the ballpark there, but they're a nonprofit, so they can help people out if they need to, right? And your, your fee is tax-deductible, but if you're not a nonprofit club, right, you're paying, you're paying your dues, you know, like you can vote with your pocketbook. Like you don't. If you don't want to do the things they want you to do, if they're not going to the events you think are good, like you should know better and educate yourself as a consumer. You'd be a great resource to ask people, like, hey, Mike, this is my kid. This is who he is. Like, what are your thoughts? Like, give me a recommendation. You'd be happy to do that. You know, yeah, Absolutely, be happy to do that for people. But even in our, even in our state, you know, we, people call me, hey, who should I play for? Well, what do you want out of your experience? And if someone's like, you know what, Chris, we like going up north with our family. You know, my son likes the cross. His buddies play for this regional program. It seems like a good fit. He's pretty good for his high school team. Well, you just said everything I needed to know. Like, you, like your son likes lacrosse. He likes playing with his buddies. He doesn't need to go out to crab feast. He doesn't need to go to NLF. Like he doesn't need to do that. If he wants to play intercollegiate lacrosse, he should ask the person who runs his club to help him identify regional programs. If that's what you want, but you, you don't have to spend a lot of money uh, for that. You, you know how I feel about that. I've said that from the very beginning, you know, we're not a great fit for everybody. But there are regional programs that are an awesome fit for kids. They do a great job, and I wouldn't call them local programs. They just stay in the region, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are, as you said, there are good events in the region for kids, right? And what we're saying, and what we've been saying from the beginning, is like we want to do at cost events. When you hear at cost, you're like, well, someone's making money. You're building in your, you're building in your salary. No, we're not. Like we want to make it as affordable as possible and bring the cost down to the clubs and bring the cost down for famous. We're getting referees, we're getting film. And then we're dividing it all up evenly. We're leaving and no one owes anything, right? No one gets paid. We're all chipping in. We're running fields. We're calling refs. We're setting up film. We're sharing the responsibilities. And that's that. And that's how I think it should be. You know, that's how I always felt it should be.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the growth. That will be the growth when you lower the price point, because sometimes the price point is astronomical. I mean, I know parents will pay whatever. Uh, and I've gotten a lot of these calls and, and, and the and the thing I've got, well, that's the best, that's the best team. And I said, it's not the best team. I said, what, I mean, my idea of what the best team is and what the best team talent wise is are two different things. Because, no doubt, I mean, uh, if you just look like I've seen uh, Resolute's red team is that their top team or, or your team. Those teams are special. Those have the top kids. <laughs> To, to go sit there and say, I need to be on that team well it's a different it's a different world it's a harder team to make and and you shouldn't get hung up on that um, that's not a better team for you you know right. if, i mean again if you're if you're matteo corsi that's you need to be on the top team where you're going out to being seen, and he's getting recruited by top five top ten d one schools
1: no question
0: there are other parents who Who've seen haven't seen the talent in the mid, in the in the rest of the country. They haven't witnessed what it really is like to see Long Island or Maryland or, or Baltimore or Connecticut, uh, even Massachusetts out east. Um, and they think, oh, my kid's gonna go play D one, and someone said he's gonna play D one. And I'm like, you do you even have an idea of how truly difficult, how how good first of all, how good you have to be, and then you have to be a D one player. There's a difference. You could be D one talented but not a D one player. And, and then, you know, we were talking about this on, on Saturday. I think you were, yeah. When, when you heard about, oh, I'm just going to go look at a NESCAC school and, and you were like, do they know how good they are? So. Oh yeah. That, that yeah. drives,
1: that drives me. <laughs> so that makes me so mad Well, the wall. You know what? If I can't go to the, the, Yale I'll just go to Wesleyan. Like, yeah, you will. Like, do you know how good they are? Like, do you know wh- who they're looking at? Like they're recruiting kids who can play at those places but decide to go to Wesleyan. They're recruiting against Ivy League schools. They're recruiting against Patriot League schools. Those are the kids they're in battles for. You know, so just don't say, "Well, I'll settle to go to Amherst." You will settle. Oh, that's that must be nice because you have to be recruited by them. And as I told you, look at Middlebury's recruiting class. They have kids who are phenomenal, phenomenal ball players. So you just can't settle for Middlebury. Like he's got to want you and you've got to be good enough, and your grades have got to be outstanding, you've got to check every box to be able to play there. So honestly, sometimes when kids say that, I don't think they have an idea of how good you have to be to play at that level and at the Division three level, and that lacrosse is going to get only better if there's no season again this spring, which is looking more and more likely every day, and kids leave their schools and want to play somewhere the next year. So there'll be more talent pushed down, which will make it very, very difficult it's going to be very difficult to play intercollegiate lacrosse at a high level in several years. It's going to be very hard, which means these regional D3 teams are going to get kids who were thinking about going out east in a few years. I mean, and Mike Channels from Hope is getting more guys from the Cherries. He's going to start getting really good. He's going to start getting really good kids from our state who don't want to go out east. His team is going to be loaded in a few years, and he knows it. He's smart. <laughs> you know, he, know, he knows it. he and our good buddies. And we're good, we'd are good. we be good babies regardless of, of who my coach for, but he knows that he's going to start getting really good kids. He's going to benefit greatly from the explosion of growth in the state of Michigan and the region. Albion's going to start getting really good. Ohio Wesleyan, will get back to where they were. They have an awesome coach, and I'm surprised more kids. Don't call Coach Plano up on the phone and want to play for him. He's an, he's an outstanding human being, one guy I'd play for. I mean, he's not the same age, but I'd let my kid play for him in a heartbeat. So, really good. I, if I'm a Midwest kid, that's the first place that I would look. If I want to play at a high level, I'm calling Mike Planholt. I'm calling Mike Shannels. You know, I'm calling Jake DeCola. I'm calling Doug Mazzardi. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at these places. That, uh, you know, I'm calling Joe Routenstrout, you know, at John Carroll. Those are going to be really good programs to play for. And they offer everything you want, but they're not out east. Those teams can get really good. They can get really good. I think, I think uh, Ohio
0: Wesleyan and Denison, and we've talked about this, when you're saying, "Yo, I want to go out east," I go. Those those teams right there are competing with those teams out east. I mean, Denison is running like a D one program. I mean, that's got yes. almost fifty kids on the team. Uh, it's it's competitive. The coaching staff is top notch. I think Ohio Wesleyan has got the same thing going. I've seen some of the players that they've gotten in the last two years, and I'm going. Those are flat out D one kids. I mean, and and I've told some kids who whose parents might have balked at it, and I said do you like the school or are you going to play lacrosse? Cause if you go to play, if you're, if, if the, which I think is wrong, but if you're going to sit there and say, Oh, I want to go to college to play lacrosse. I said, well, then Ohio Wesleyan is one of those schools for you. And you know, I don't even have a relationship with Ohio Wesleyan. I just follow the program. I do know who the coach is. Um, and I, and I, again, I think the, the teams in the Midwest, there are great programs that sort of get shunned. And I, and it does, and it does, bug me that i don't i think again part of the part of the process of, of of finding a club is to sit there and say it's not all about d1 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 or east coast east coast it's about having a relationships with the midwest and their programs and saying hey i got a kid for you this kid and and, and selling the school in a synergy between coaches in high school in the midwest to college coaches in the midwest to club coaches in the midwest if you build everything together in the midwest it just it just becomes bigger, I guess
1: is what I agree. I, and, yeah, and and there are we forgot program Zach Iannucci at Illinois Wisland, Brian Stewart at Mount Union, you know Jay Owen at Wittenberg. These guys are doing a great job with their teams. These are places kids should take a hard look at if they want to keep playing at the next level. They're great schools. They have awesome facilities. These are really good people. I've met a lot of these guys, and I'd let our kids play. I recommend their programs to them. I've met them. I really like them. Are they doing a really nice job? I know I've forgotten people. Yeah. Uh, those are some of the guys that I've worked with. Those are the people I, I, I've, I've been around and spoken to. Reed Mayberry at Aurora. I mean, these guys are actively recruiting kids in the region. People should take a look at their programs and what they're trying to do. Yes. I, I think so.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Um, but you brought up something that we'll finish this off with, with this. Um, so I was writing an article uh, the other day that I will be, you know, I'm starting a website and this thing is all growing. Just my technology this is not – is not there, but this whole pandemic and you brought it up with maybe not having a season this year. And I touched on it with you uh this weekend is could this, could what's going on right now be the end of, of high school across nationally. I mean, not just Midwest, but if they're canceling the high school season, if you lose two years of Midwest high school, you're a, you work for a club team. If all of a sudden they say in, in, in January, There will be no fall sports. How fast and nimble do you think it will take club teams to start having dates to take those kids and have them playing in the spring where it might almost be why bother with going back to high school and doing this anymore? Um, There's so many different hurdles that are going to be taken where that might be the new norm. might be spring club lacrosse, uh, summer club lacrosse, because this could really end it. What are your thoughts about that?
1: The things these state associations have tried to do to curtail the influence of club sports have come back to hurt them. And they didn't need to have a, 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 they didn't need to create such a difficult relationship between the two. And they've made it harder and they wanted to make it harder. And they wanted to encourage, and again, we should encourage educational athletics. I'm a supporter of it. I'm a teacher. I'm a coach. You know, as people know who are listening, I coach club lacrosse. It's important to me. But you're right, Mike, if there's no high school athletics in the springtime, we have to offer something to our kids. Parents will want it. We have to fill the void. And for some, it would likely make sense. And I don't know if we could offer it. I mean, I would not. And we've had this conversation as a staff before. We're not comfortable uh, launching a spring club league. It's just not something we would do. Uh, We have a lot of respect for what the high school association does. I'm a high school lacrosse coach. Nick Levante who came over from true not a wonderful person. He's a high school lacrosse coach, uh, Jack Smith. He's a high school. We have a lot of high school lacrosse coaches in the cherries. So we, we we're not just club people. We have high school coaches in our program. So we would not do that. We would offer skills and drills. We would probably get up and down with the other teams, but I just couldn't see us saying, you know what? Don't go back to your high school program. Uh, we're just going to do something for you in place of it. We would never endorse that. I could see other people doing it. I saw someone uh, post a Twitter poll about it to see if kids would be interested in doing it. And we would try to fill the void in the meantime. But if we don't have another high school season, my concern is for kids who are 22s, you know, do you want to, what do you do next year if there's no vaccine because it could happen again? Uh, Do you stay at your current high school or do you reclass and go to a boarding school? And I know what I would tell someone, I know what I would say to a kid who's really good in my program, if you have the means to do it, you should leave. You should leave.
0: Yes. We talked I, I about that. I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would tell him, I'd be like, listen, you got to go. I, I, there's a kid I'm thinking of who's very good. And if they cancel their season, I got to sit down with those folks and say, you got to go. And you're not staying for my benefit or the school, the greater glory of our school. Like you got to go. If you can't miss three years of high school across, you just got to go and I'll help you. And it it sucks for me to say that, but I just tell my best guys, We'll st- we'll, we'll, I, I'm going to coach what I have, and that'll be that'll be fine, uh, and we'll be fine. But for your benefit, you, you should probably consider not being here. Um, but I hope we get a vaccine because that's the only way we're going to really be able to play. But uh, but the thing is, Mike, Indiana was playing high school football on Friday night when we were there, so yeah, I don't know what's going on. So yeah, maybe we can do it. Maybe right. maybe I'm out of pocket. Maybe I'm out of pocket right now, and maybe we're going to have it if we take the precautions or we or things get better in our country. Uh, but I think if i 'm thinking about the doomsday scenario and we don 't have it it 's like man what, what what is in the best interests of the kids in the program who are really good and want to keep playing maybe it 's to stay i don 't know I, I would have to think about it a little bit more. But my visceral reaction to your question was i don 't maybe you should go if an opportunity presents itself to you if a team is playing and is going to continue playing through the spring or they commit to making sure you 're on campus and have isolated and they can have games so i I go back and forth every day, but that 's a that's a great question. Mike, I, I'm actually more worried about what's going to happen at the Division One level if there's no spring lacrosse, if there's no football or NCAA basketball tournament. I think you'll see a contraction of Division One teams. Uh, I think it'll be 10 to 15 fewer. The IMLCA was having this conversation about saving the sport at, at the Division One level. And we already saw New York Tech eliminated its program for two years. You're going to see more of that if things get worse. Uh, and if, as a result of seeing more, a greater contraction, it'll be harder to play Division One lacrosse. Talent gets pushed down. Kids transfer to other Division One programs. Rosters get big. Classes get smaller. So the 23s, 24s, 25s, 26s are going to be impacted by COVID for years to come. We're looking at recruiting classes of maybe three to five guys. So the, I, I, I told someone, like, the percentage of playing Division One lacrosse, you go from 1% to a half a percent, a three-tenths of a percent of playing, you know, and the, the odds of playing Division three at a high level are getting slimmer. And, you know, division through lacrosse is going to get really, really good. It's going to get really competitive. Uh, yeah. We don't have another Division one season. And I, I think that, you know, people will be out of jobs. And you'll see people just leave coaching, leave the profession. And that'll, that'll be that, you know. And someone said it to me. I'm not going to tell you the program or anyone the program. But he said, if there's no college football at my school, they're going to eliminate the program here. He told me. He's like, they're going to limit the program, and there's no college football in the conference he's in. He's like, I, I'm going to be out of a job, but, you know, I'll figure it out. He said it. That's and that, crazy. And that's, that's what scared me. And I spoke to another Division II coach after New York Tech announced that this program was shutting down. He's like – he said – he's been fairly pressuring about all this. He's like, Chris, this is just the beginning. Like, next year you will see 10 to 15 programs at the Division One level, and a lot of Division Two programs just disappear, and they're not coming back. No, oh,
0: that's just, you know, that's, that, that's sad. Cause it's almost at a point where I felt like we were, we're especially here in the Midwest where I'm like, Oh God, we're really, we're really at, a, we're really at a, t- a point where we're, it's, it's really grabbing hold. You know, when the state of Ohio makes money on lacrosse, their play out, their tournament season, and they make money to generate revenue. That's a positive. And then that was last year. And then all of yep. a sudden in one year, because, because of this thing, Everything—that's how fragile and tenuous it is—and that's why I said it could take one more year of, of uh, if it's canceled, where it just ends. I mean, it just ends. I mean, I I think Ohio State just said that they're going to lose like 136 million dollars in their athletic department budget because of this. That's Ohio State. I mean, they can
1: afford and they can afford it, maybe. Right. Maybe that's going to hurt them. That's crazy. We're in, uh, honestly, uh, we're we're in trouble. Yeah, and if if people want all these things, you know, you just got to abide. And I'm not telling people how to live their lives, but people want college football. They want the NCAA basketball tournament. You know, we want our kids back in school. And I think we've just got to like listen to people who know more than us about this pandemic. And if you want these things, if you want to enjoy high school sports, you want to enjoy NCAA football, like maybe maybe it's time to listen. You know, maybe it's time to listen to the experts. And I'll leave it at that. But you know, if things don't get better, I things, I know your, your inbox is going to get flooded. You know, I'm, I'm, some, I'm some agent. I'm some agent of the left, <laughs> but I, I'm not. But that's uh, kind of funny. So, you know, Mike, let's just hope things get better. But as always, my man, uh, great seeing you, my friend. I, I really enjoy talking to you. And just last but not least, just so thankful I got to meet Rob Snyder. So, so grateful for my friendship with Kevin. And my friendship with you, I think, in light of everything that's happened in our country, you know, I've you know, I'm just so happy I got to see you. You've become just a great friend of mine. And, you know, this is what this is all about. Mike, even if we lost, it still would have been fun. You know, it still would have been fun, man.
0: I agree. It was great. It was a great time. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're always a great guest. Everyone always loves when you come on because I get so many messages like, oh, can I talk to Chris Garland? And again, you've always been there, so I'm going to I'll keep reaching out if someone needs to talk to you. But again, no thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we will talk soon. All right, take care, buddy. That's going to do it for this week's One Man Ride podcast. If you want to contact me, you can email me at mfw at one dot net or on Twitter at MFWCHI or at onemanride. And now on Instagram, which I have no idea how to use yet at OMRMFW. If you enjoy what I'm doing, please let people know about me. I'd like to grow with the sport in the Midwest and beyond. So until next time, ride to live. Peace. Hit it, Joe.